Hello and welcome to BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast, where we examine the trends, technologies, and industry activities related to the revenue facet of local media. I'm Rick Ducey, Managing Director at BIA Advisory Services, and today we're going to talk about the recent broadcast and cable network upfronts. Our guest is an expert on the topic, Tom Ziangas, who is the Senior Vice President of Revenue and Strategic Research at Crown Media Family Networks. Crown Media is home to the Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, and Hallmark Drama. At Crown Media, one of Tom's responsibilities is driving the company's revenue objectives and growth initiatives. He also plays a pivotal role in informing monetization strategies and setting industry strategies, including attribution methods and effectiveness studies, cross-platform measurement, and outcome-based guarantees. Uh, kind of a compelling portfolio, Tom. <laughs> so to Tom, today, we're Tom, we're going to pick your brain about the recent upfronts from a research perspective. And uh, of, as, uh, of course, we're joined here, Mitch, uh, Oscar, my my comrade in arms here for these uh, interview series. Mitch, thanks so much for, for putting us together with Tom and um, a shout out to you for all you do uh, working with BIA in the advanced TV area. Thank you. Uh, uh, and and uh, and Mitch, as usual, feel free to jump in. But but Tom and I will will kick things off here. And again, Tom, thanks so much for being with us today. So Tom, what's I mean, we're BIA lives in the local um, media market space, and and you're obviously much more into the um, network national TV space. But there are some interesting correlations between the two and local can always uh, be informed by what's happening in the, in the national market. So the upfront is, you know, mostly a, a national phenomenon, but some of the local TV groups get involved. They try to participate in that marketplace as they can. So in the, the upfront kind of happens in a staggered fraction, uh, fashion. And so we've been seeing articles in the trades and discussion about what's going on, um, particularly with the cable and broadcast networks. Digital has now come in with its own uh, version of upfronts. Uh, so the, it's more full-bodied um, kind of uh, activity these days. But uh, it looks like some of the media companies are saying uh, it's been a good market um, up front. The, the CPM increases, um, high single digits maybe, um, year over year. And then marketers and agencies have incorporated um, more third-party data, more first-party data analysis, which is uh, a trend these days as you look to privacy kind of regulations and policies coming into the mix. And a lot more, um, I guess, openness or, or agility to different kinds of measurement services and, dare I say, even currencies. So there's uh, the Video Ad Bureau came out with a study recently that, you know, uh, really for the first time at scale, uh, different media um, uh, publishers have, have brought to the upfront marketplace a different way of viewing, quantifying and trading on the mark uh, on the audiences uh, that they're working with in the upfronts. So really curious to get your sense of, of all those different dynamics. Uh, let me start with um, one of the things we get asked a lot about is uh, fr from an advertising perspective, which ad categories are kind of hopping? I mean, we're, we're in this crazy pandemic period, this crazy uh, economic period of, um, uh, you know, increasing inflation, but also increasing jobs, um, increasing wages. And so advertisers are taking different uh, approaches to what this means with all the different challenges going on. But a couple of categories where we're at BIA forecasting growth are restaurants and financial. And a lot, you know, in the local, of course, that's more kind of activation, engagement, um, uh, in some cases, direct-to-consumer brands that we're looking with. Any insights in, in some of the top categories that you saw in the upfronts this, this time around? 
Yeah, I, I think the top categories still remain to be the top categories, right? And so when you're looking at things like um, insurance, financial, um, you know, quick serve restaurants, you know, I, I what, what basically happened with COVID, certain things kind of got shot down, right? I think the travel business is rebounding. So you're seeing a lot more ads on cruise ships um, and, and, and any kind of travel related um, you know, um, brands and advertisers working in that space. So, look, I I still think you know the top uh, categories will still be the top categories. I think things will ebb and flow and shift like they normally do. Um, and look, I think right now too, like one of the categories that has been kind of I would say a little more kind of stuck, but they still spend a lot of money is automotive, right? And I think. Mm-hmm. Once you see certain things around supply chain kind of open up, um, you, you'll see those dollars flow in in mass the way they were before. Um, but it's, it's not that they're not advertising; it's, it's they're being very selective in in, in how they're advertising. Right. Yeah. And one of the things, I mean, auto is one of the things I was going to bring up, of course, since it's uh, historically so huge. And um, you probably uh, touch more on the tier one auto spend. Uh, we get some of that in local, but. Definitely skews towards the tier two, tier three spending. And then, you know, that brings up the obligatory kind of um, um, word map of uh, uh, supply chain and, you know, inventory and changing consumer behaviors around buying cars. Uh, So some of the dealers, the tier three dealers are starting to say, you know, actually, the pandemic has had some positives for us. Uh, We actually don't have to carry as much inventory on the books. Um, A lot of times it's just in time. I mean, we don't have the inventory, so we place the orders, make the sale before the car even hits the lot. So their top line revenue may be down, but the margins are doing okay. And, you know, I guess like you're saying, I still advertise, but maybe the creative is different. Um, And as the chip supply, I I, I read one article, I think like uh, a car, like a Tesla or something may have 3,000 chips in it. I mean, and a $1 component could could hold up, you know, the production line. So there's just so much going on in auto. And I, I hear different things. I mean, for a while, the people I spoke to said, it's not going to come back um, in first half of 22. And one of the auto analysts I, uh, that I keep in touch with, he told me that whatever the longest um, supply chain rebound you hear is, it's probably at least going to be that long. Do you have any sense of what auto is going to look like through the rest of this year and into 23? Yeah, look, I, I think the rest of this year is going to be tough because of other uh, circumstances too, right? And so obviously with things like inflation and recession and, uh, you know, things around, you know, rates going up, right? That's affecting, you know, leases. It's affecting people who want to buy um, uh, outright autos. So I, I think there are other variables that are kind of affecting it outside the supply chain on it. Um, and I think the other part of it too is, uh, I'll be very honest, right? I um, My lease was up uh, in, in at the end of June. I actually was looking for a car in February. They usually say, you know, a, m- a month or so before, do, do what you need to do. <laughs> And that car came one month late after the fact. So, um, and and if I were to, um, you, you know, if, if I were to get that car instead of in February before the rates went up versus if I got it in June, my monthly payments might have been, you know, 35, 40 bucks more a month, right? And so it, that may sound trivial, but, you know, over the course of a three-year lease, that adds up. So, again, I think... Um, you know, the, the advantage right now is on the seller as opposed to the buyer. There are things where you'd see, um, you, you know, uh, markups above 
the retail price, whatever it may be. So, so I do believe that it will probably last through the end of this year. And I would just say this kind of malaise around it, but um, I, I, I do believe things will pick up in 23. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the consensus I hear. How early in 23 depends who you talk to and kind of what they're seeing, but, but that's interesting. One category that's really big and local, but probably doesn't touch much into national is political. I mean, as the political season heats up or winding uh, through the primary season and now moving into the general election soon, does political factor much into your world? Look, I think it, it factors into the, the the macro world, right? And so if you're going to have political start eating away at inventory, it, it again, it, it can cause a supply and demand issue, right, for an entertainment-based company like us. So I, I don't think it factors in as much in, in, in the local world because there are a lot of, I would say, local races, um, you know, but you also see now more than ever um, national ads going across um, the U.S., um, uh, more around um, party affiliation uh, and issues that uh, social issues that are going on. So again, right. for for us, uh, I, I, I don't think it is something core to our business. Obviously, if you're a news network, um, it will be core to your business. And then the other part of it too, on a local level, is if they're utilizing a lot of those that that local ad time within a lot of the cable networks, it may be a very good way to target specific, um, uh, you know, viewers uh, that have certain party affiliations to kind of reach them and, and, and talk about that message. Yep. Well, you mentioned the word macro, and that's a, that's a place I wanted to explore a bit with you. So at the beginning, I was talking about um, currency, uh, you know, measurement metrics, and uh, how data practices are changing, um, maybe opening up a front marketplace a little bit. We'll see how, how it all evolves, but there's been some openness to looking beyond kind of the standard currency bearers. Uh, and then, so that's one trend I'm going to ask you about, just sort of currency measurement, attribution kinds of things. And then um, the other place is cross-platform. So, I mean, the upfront, you know, historically it was sort of uh, big network TV, linear TV. We didn't even used to say linear TV. We used to say just TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now it's linear and digital and then packaged into that or other kinds of uh, digital offerings as well. So what what is the upfront uh, these days? I mean, it's linear, it's digital. Digital, it's uh, changing currency and metrics. What, what does it actually feel like to be in the middle of the upfront marketplace? Yeah, uh, I would say at its core, it's still very similar to the way it was 5, 10, 20 years ago right? at its core, right? And so at, at its core, what is really the upfront? It is a, a period of time where everyone shows their wares and allows folks to kind of get in the front seat and being able to uh, get first pick and, 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 and buy at the uh, premium inventory that you are offering, right? And so, for so for uh, you know, for us at Crown Media, you know, um, uh, we we are a 24/7 network. But obviously, when when it comes to the holiday period, you know, we become the number one network with all of our movies and everything around um, our original holiday themes. And 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 again, it's it's where we can show off to our advertisers who want to spend all that money. This is the type of programming that we can kind of get you into. These are the audiences that it will reach, and hopefully, these are the people that will be buying and um, you know uh, going to the stores and buying your products, right? So so again, the, the the rudimentary part of the upfront is still the same. 
The yeah. complications have really come in with a lot of things, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of things where the complications are. So okay. number one, audience behaviors have been shifting at a um, much quicker rate than they ever did before. And that's a lot due to streaming and the SVOD platforms, AVOD and FAST platforms that are kind of in our space right now, right? For the most part, it really wasn't hurting us a lot because for the most part, most SVODs were non-ad supported, right? And so all of a sudden now, now you have a smaller pool of GRPs that become more valuable. And that's why you've been seeing CPMs increase. Again, the law of supply and demand, right? And Beautiful thing. And, and, yep. And as good as this upfront was, the previous year was even stronger, right? And so I think the, the ebbs and the flows of this upfront had more to do with the uncertainty of where the economy was and where it was going with everything going forward. Still good, strong, upfront. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, TV is still important to all advertisers. So again, quick little stats, right? In the past 18 months, traditional TV viewing for, you know, a, a broad demo like 25 to 54, is down 15% over the past year, while streaming is up 20%, right? Now, where it becomes a bigger issue, and that will be maybe into next year's upfront, is, and, and again, it's, it's it's happened more now too, is, is how these um, media companies like ourselves too, that now put a platform of ads on their streaming services, right? So I heard something that in this upfront, Peacock basically quadrupled their ad revenue versus where they were the year before. That's tremendous when you're thinking about it, right? So I think they, sure. went, like I said, they went from 250 million to a, a, a billion. So again, uh, th those are big numbers. And obviously we had services like Hulu that are out there playing in this space. So, so the one thing that I just want to say is, um, even before when it was just going to SVOD, I think more and more now is going to be going to an ad-supported platform that's streaming. And the biggest one now that from a growth perspective is in, in the fast AVOD world, right? And so, you, you know, those are the, th and, and, and we're in that space too, right? But we're, we're, in a we're in that space a little differently than we are on the linear side, right? Because, you know, a lot of this that that goes on in the fast avod world is all about reaching audiences as opposed to us really being able to um provide our buyers on the linear side with very specific days times schedules campaigns over the course uh, of, of the year so so again uh, audience behaviors are accelerating i would say to our offering right now is, you know, uh, more of a portfolio around things like data-driven linear, um, you know, uh, a, a, a going into uh, more of a national addressable, you know, working in the programmatic space, uh, and even working on what I would say are more, um, you know, non-standard Nielsen demos. So that, you know, that's going into the, the, the place of uh, like with Nielsen, an MRI fusion and being able to reach people who want to travel to Aruba, right, as opposed to adults 25 to 54. So, th though, again, th those are offerings that we put in place. Is it a big piece of what we sell? No, but it's a growing piece of what we sell. The other part of it, too, 
is really working with advertisers and agencies to provide more outcome-based measures. So again, what is that outcome-based measure? It could be something as simple as uh, brand awareness for a product that you're selling to bringing someone into a showroom um, at an auto dealer uh, to someone actually buying something, physically purchasing it, and you're getting a dollar value for what that ad exposure might have been. And then the other thing, I know we're going to discuss this is, and I'm glad you call them other currencies, not alternative currencies. I call them multiple. I call it multiple currencies, right? It's multiple currencies entering into the marketplace. And, yeah. and, and, and when, when I say multiple, it's also with, with Nielsen one coming in next year, that to me is a new currency. Um, and, and so, and, and so are companies like, you know, uh, you, you know, that you've been hearing about that are kind of get, get, getting their toes wet in this space. And especially with the bigger players, you know, the video amps, the I spots, obviously uh, the comm scores, um, you know, those are the quote unquote other currencies that have been kind of playing in the Nielsen sandbox in a smaller way, but I think they're going to be growing. Yeah. <clears throat> and is um so you're saying the upfront is uh important but not as important as a scatter market for for you uh look i i, I still think it's it, it's it's really important because a large majority of our um revenue comes from the upfront, gotcha okay right? so so uh i do believe it's still important i just think it's more complicated right and, yeah and, oh, and, clearly and, and and so you know where it was a very easy thing to do, um, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. It becomes more complicated. You get a lot of RFPs from people on the agency side about, you know, what's your digital footprint? Where else is your content made available? You know, where is your frequency capping? All that kind of stuff. So there is um, a, a level of complexity because there's more players in the space. There are more data sources in this place. Right. And I, I also just do believe marketers want something that is more tangible than what they've had before. Right. You know, before it just used to be, you know, you know, C3. These are the amount of people that are being exposed to my ad. Right. And before it was a program rating. But ultimately, I think with all these different data sources, first party, third party, there are ways to basically then make the connection down the funnel as to, you know, exposure to an ad are you engaged with that ad what 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 does engagement mean it could mean um, you watch the ad for the full 30 seconds it could mean um, that uh, you know you, you you went to a website after that ad um, it could mean a bunch of different things but it goes down the full funnel as to you know what did it lead to uh, in regard to revenue and and there are a lot of studies that you kind of look at that um, you know, once people have been advertising for a while and then they come and, and they, then they don't advertise, you do see, you know, their revenues decline. So guess what? TV works and, 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 and the multifunction of what how they do it works better today than it did yesterday. Right. Yeah. yeah the complications um, are, I guess, healthy. I mean, we want to see evolution. Evolution is pretty much always painful for most people, except for those innovators at the leading edge. Uh, um, and I'm curious, um, 
how that gets received. I mean, there, I saw one, I saw in a couple of RFPs, you mentioned about uh, complexity where, um, as I recall, one of the RFPs may have been 50 pages long, laying out a whole series of questions, uh, like you were just saying, um, what's your metric, you know, what's your footprint, digital footprint, what are your engagement, you know, methodologies. And so it's just like, oh my God, I, I, this is, you know, worse than my annual wellness exam. Uh, they know everything about me now. Is that kind of what it's like to play in the game now? Yeah, it is. Again, it just has become more complex because, yeah. again, because of the complexity of the industry, right? I keep on saying, and, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was, you know, easy to watch television, right? You got up, you switched from four or five channels and you watched what you watched, right? You know, television right now is pretty complex. I mean, if you have a smart television and you have a whole plethora of offerings that are either directly connected to your coax or going through your streaming broadband box. Um, these are the complexities now that are, are, are made available to the viewers. So if I'm an, an advertiser or an agency, I wanna make sure that with all these complexities, I am reaching the right people and those people are getting messaged so they can be exposed and buy my product. Right. You mentioned programmatic. You just want to touch on that lightly before we move on to some other topics. Uh, how much of a factor is programmatic in the upfronts? It seems like, um, you know, I guess in, in the programmatic space, uh, you used to just, you know, do the upfronts and buy, you know, the, the upcoming season or whatever. Uh, and then in the upfront jargon, that's forward reserve versus real-time bidding. Does real-time bidding, forward reserve, are those the kinds of concepts and constructs that are coming into upfronts over the past few years? Uh, I, 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 you know, look, um, in some cases, yes, in some cases, no. I would say to you, when we talk about things like programmatic, it is probably the, the, the bigger players in that space. So whether it is someone like a, a simul media, right? And so, so really, you, you, you know, you, you work out with them, they have the data, they know how well your audience may do across a specific advertiser. They want to kind of package that in there. We provide them the inventory, um, you know, uh, and, and, and we believe, you know, at that point you do that deal because it'll be a better yield because you're, you know, being much more targeted to it. So I would say to you that really doesn't fall within the upfront, but it it, 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 it is part of, um, you know, our, portfolio of how we work with either third parties or how we work with other folks to make sure we get the best value for our inventory. Yes, and on the best value, you mentioned outcome-based um, measurement and, and metrics and, and reporting and so on. I mean, so the upfronts, you know, historically has been more branding um, KPIs, but you mentioned pulling it through the funnel. So is that is that where upfronts are now? I mean, uh, attribution and other kinds of outcome-based measures, is that critical yeah. to making the sales? Uh, look, look I, I think it's critical to making the sale if that's what the, the, the you know, the, um, the buyer and the advertiser, right? One, those full funnel solutions are always on the table, but for the most part, they are going to be done with, you know, the clients um, that are very much immersed in that part of the business and those clients who are, um, you know, uh, folks that are, are are big players with our networks. So. Yeah. Uh, that's where it goes. You know, the issue with a lot of these studies, too, and just think about it, Rick, right? Um, number one, any of these, I would say, ROI, attention, attribution-based studies that you're going to be doing for a client, 
are, are, are extras, right? And, and research isn't cheap, right? And so uh, I, I would say that these studies can range anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $100,000. So you're not going to be doing a twenty-five dollars to $100,000 study for someone who's spending $100,000 with you, right? It, it just doesn't make any kind of sense. Uh, but, but these are studies that we have done with our, um, you know, advertisers and brands and, 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 and they find them valuable and we find them valuable too. So um, it's, it's important that we are flexible and that we are open to it. Um, but again, we, we also need to kind of understand what the cost of these studies are and, and, and how to best do them. Right. And is that, um, is that determinate? I mean, so clearly, like your company will fund some research, um, as you're saying, and that's prioritized and informed by the level of spend. Um, at, at the industry level, um, I mean, there's different associations that will do this, um, ARF, VAB, IAB, and so on. Uh, what's your sense of what the industry level, all these different associations and, and companies maybe contribute to jointly funded research efforts? both buy side and sell side. Um, are, are we on the right track to learn more about what we need to learn about with the kind of industry level research agenda or are there gaps we need to address? Well, well look, I think I, I think we do a good job on the industry level. And again, those things will be very much more category based, not very specific around certain advertisers and networks. It will it will be things that show the effectiveness of TV versus digital or the effectiveness of you know, um, a certain genre of program compared to another genre of program. It could be the effectiveness of, you, you know, uh, ads with certain creatives versus different creatives. So those right. are very much more industry level um, studies that inform us that that may allow us then to dig a little deeper uh, in regard to either our own networks or our own sub industry in there. Again, the, the cable industry, when it, before it was called the VAB, it was the CAB, you know, they were putting out pieces that basically show the, the value of cable compared to broadcast, right? And so now what we're doing is, what is the value of, 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 of television compared to streaming? So those are things that I think that are going on more now, and they're very good and they're very helpful. Uh, and, and, and I think one of the, the, the best studies that the VAB has done is uh, a, a study around D to C, right? So it was all around right. D to C and, and basically showing when D to C is advertising on television, it's bringing in more money than if it didn't advertise on television. So those are the kinds of things that we look into and saying, oh, wow, um, there's a whole new you know, client base that we may not have been touching over there on D to C side. Let's go in and make sure that we're kind of capturing those advertisers uh, on our air. So, again, those are things that I think inform and allow us to kind of dig deeper and work with our individual clients. Right. So like it, it won't even be like, you know, P&G. It may be a brand within P&G right, that we're right. working with. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That makes sense. <clears throat> well, Tom, I want to ask you one more question. Then, then Mitch, I want to see if you had any um, thoughts or, or questions and then give you a chance, Tom, to wrap up with any with any final thoughts. Um, so uh, looking ahead now to the next upfront season uh, uh, next year, um, we've been talking about um, other currencies. You know, we talked about the key demos. A lot of trading still happens on key demos, even with all those uh, uh, other currencies and first party, third party data. Um, what will be different next cycle for the upfronts, do you think? Well, so I would say 
uh, I'm going to talk about this year's up front that kind of um, put a bit of pause to me mm. sometime in, um, I would say, November, December, when Nielsen then announced that um, they were going to be making, um, uh, you know, Nielsen one available and it would then be the currency in January, February of 23. So in essence, what they were telling us was, you know, it will be one, it would be panel currency in, you know, the, the you know, first four or five months, and then it would be panel plus their big data or Nielsen one, uh, you know, during the, the, the latter months. And and I said, right. you, you guys, you can't do this. I can't no. test this, right? So, so, so I think part of it was there was a, a, a big uproar amongst the clients and just saying, you know, if we're going to do this, we need to do it on the right boundaries to, and, and we need to have access to a full year's worth of data before we can even go forward with it. So, 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 yeah. so I would tell you um, some of that consternation happened in this year's upfront. And I, uh, I would say Nielsen was wise to listen to their client base and, and, sure. and change what they did. Um, but I, I, but I would say to you, um, like right now I am looking at Nielsen one data and analyzing it and understanding what the differences are. And I will say to you, uh, that there are certain levels of fluctuations that we're questioning with Nielsen and they've been good enough to answer some of those things. It is a, it, it is a new methodology. You are bringing sure. in, you know, 20 to 30 some odd million set top boxes that you're layering into with your panel and there are going to be differences and part of those differences are going to be around the methodology of how you do it right. and, and 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 the input of data that is now kind of coming in right and so that's what we're doing today and so i would tell you you know as we go into next year's upfront i'm going to have a lot more information about what nielsen one will look like i believe you know it it it, it, it and they say to it will be quote unquote currency for the 23 24 upfront so again i'm going to be working i'm i'm currently working with that data and that is the data set that we're going to be working with when it, when again we go into the estimate process to basically forecast what the next uh, 12 right. to 18 months will be right. That, that that's what we're really doing. So, yeah. so, so Nielsen one is, is, is something new, uh, 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 you know, on the landscape for 23, 24. And I think there's also going to be one more year of these, you know, new currency players, you know, right. getting acclimated to the business. And again, um, wh whether that's video amp, whether that's, you know, iSpot, whether that's ComSchool, right? You're going to need a, 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 a full scale solution to what is being done today. Right. And, and, and so what I mean by that is it's, it's not just currency. Um, cause I don't buy Nielsen just for currency. I buy Nielsen so we could look at things around, you know, um, programming analysis right. around, around uh, distribution um, strategy as we kind of move forward. Um, we look at that information from a very much a, a, a financial perspective too. So so it's not just currency. When I'm buying a, a again, a, 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 a measurement 
vendors services like Nielsen, it is serving multiple masters within my company, right? So right. Like, like for me to say, I'm going to buy a, a, a new currency, uh, a, a new um, uh, uh, currency measurement folks, just based upon what currency is, I'm not going to be doing that. I, again, because then, then what do you do with the other stakeholders if, if it's not giving you the, the granularity and the depth of data that you need, right? And so right. I would say those companies need to be measurement companies that also are providing currency for transaction, but also being able to provide you know, data for insights into programming, uh, data insights into how we market and promote those programs, to how we distribute those programs, how we analyze those programs across all the different platforms. So, so I will say to you is I do believe um, that Nielsen will still be a major player in this space. They're not going away, um, uh, you know. It, and 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 but but I also do believe that these other companies are going to get more traction because what they do on 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 those engagement, I believe those companies do things better than Nielsen does right now. Um, right. And, and, and I think it's because, number one, they're not tied to legacy systems the way Nielsen is slash was. Um, they have been working with this um, big data for um, uh, and of, of, of what they do and how they do it. It ain't perfect, but in a, in, in a fragmented world that we live in today, um, I believe you need some level of a, a, a hybrid, which is a panel and um, a, a, a level of big data, which is in combination with return path data, you know, uh, smart TV data and, 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 and other sources, uh, third party data that you can kind of layer into this. Uh, and there are a couple of companies like today, you know, T-Vision, albeit has a small panel has a panel that can help supplement and, and, and provide insights where big data can't give you that a panel could give you. So, you know, so my thought on this is um, it won't be that much unlike this upfront, but obviously what I will say is there will be a newness to what we're looking at, even with Nielsen, that may have other folks saying, okay, um, I need Nielsen plus, 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 right? And um, the, the, the issue that I have with that is, uh, you know, how much more will I need to spend to get another <laughs> level of data? Exactly. Uh, and, and, then, and then the way I look at it is, I, I think it's very simple, right? The way advertisers look at, you know, the ROI of, you know, the, the exposure of their ad to, you know, to, to revenue. I look at it the same way. If, if I am buying um, any type of research and, and whether that is uh, data, whether it is insights driven, whatever it may be, I'm looking for the return on my investment on that. I need to look at it. If I'm going to be spending a million dollars, I'm hoping that by working with that partner, it will bring in incremental dollars on top of the million that I spent. Yep, of course. And, and and so and so in the end, right? If if all of a sudden the only thing that you're doing is you're bringing in the same amount of revenue, 
and you're bringing in new, you know, new data costs and expenses onto your side, what's that, what's that going to do? That's going to shrink your margins, right? And yeah. so as, as I look at this uh, as a business researcher, and that's how I deem myself a business researcher, is, um, you know, uh, I've been very cautious to purchase things that are not going to give us a return. And, and, and at this point, uh, I'm glad that NBCU and Viacom have, um, you know, uh, the resources that they do do to do a lot of this R&D, because that's what they're really doing. It's helping us and informing us on this. Uh, but 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 it's it's a very difficult task when you're talking to mid-sized media companies to get into it the way they're getting into it. So um, you know uh, you know my peers at those companies over there, uh, uh, you know I I thank them for that. Um, but but in the end too, I need to look at it as how I'm running and how we are running our business on the research side at, at Crown Media to make sure that we are getting the, the value from that data that will result in incremental revenue to our ad sales team. Yeah, I mean, that's all so very insightful and informative. I mean, we welcome, you know, we say we welcome innovation and in fits and starts, we probably do um, in any industry, the media industry, uh, for sure. Uh, but, but you know, the price of admission, admission may be a good idea, a, a point solution uh, that could be excellent. But part of what I hear you saying, Tom, is that's great. But, I mean, you really have to have a fuller value proposition to fit into the range of business addressed and at least partially satisfied by the. So, you know, change on the way. Um, some of those innovators, some of those newer voices at the table uh, may actually, you know, get some footing and scale. Or, you know, maybe it's through some sort of M&A thing where that point solution gets absorbed into a, a broader portfolio that is really addressing the needs of, of media and uh, the buy side as well. Um, so, Mitchell, let me see. Um, I, what do you think about all of this? Well, I, I noticed how few acronyms were used. So it was ROI, R&D, and M&A. But I'm curious with Tom, what about ACR and OEMs? How do you feel that everyone talking about ACR data and what, how it might help extend what set-top box data might do, what panel might do? So, Tom, curious. Yeah, look, so so um, that was my omission. And, and when I was talking about STB, you know, set-top boxes uh, or, or, you know, uh, and uh, anything around smart TVs, I kind of put ACR within the the realm of of smart TVs. Look, I I think it's I think it's really important. Um, I and and this is what I would say now too. I would say right now, um, and just interesting things going on. If 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 you're a you know an OEM, you know, so whether you're Samsung or in some cases even Roku on this, you're you're sitting on a pile of very valuable valuable information right and you know you know how do you best monetize all that information you know it, it's amazing now where you know you, you have these players and and they're in the business of um you know selling ads right and so whether it's lg samsung whether it's roku whoever it may be um, but they have you know access to information that very few people outside of nielsen probably have access to and so, and so, what I would say to that is, um, I just found it interesting. I think there was a an article last week where, you know, uh, Comcast was um, 
you know, making overtures or there was rumors around the purchase of Vizio, right? And so, and, and, and to me, you, you know, um, I think they said that they were going to be coming out with their own TVs, right? And, and I think a lot of times they like, like who's going to buy a Comcast branded television? I don't know what the hell that means, but I do believe people will buy uh, a, a Vizio or an LG, a smart, uh, you know, you know, you know, TVs that are like TCL that have Roku based in them or whoever it is. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a really cool new frontier. And, and, and I do believe, um, you know, those folks. So, so the only issue that I have with those folks, and it's the same issue that I had with other data providers, right, is um, they're not very transparent with the data, right? Because I don't think they're data companies, right? They're, they're, they're OEMs. And I think they're, you know, they're getting people and they're hiring the right people for it. But like today, if I wanted or anyone wanted to find out what is the performance of programming on, you know, Samsung TV plus, right? Or what is the performance of programs on, on Roku, right? You know, I only get my own data when I'm working with those services. If I'm, if, if my content is distributed on, that's all I'm getting my own data. So contextually, I don't know how good or bad it is, or uh, but 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 I will say this is, you know, in, in in order for the whole CTV marketplace to flourish, there's going to need to be some level of transparency on that data. I, I and, and until there's there's transparency, I think it's going to go in a very slow manner. The way, you know. We've been talking about addressable for the past 10 years, and I, and I do believe finally it's really coming to fruition. But I do believe in the CTV space, you know, you better make sure that everyone knows what the performance is, because if you don't, it's just snippets of information coming from people like us. So. Right. Yeah, there's we're doing this as an audio podcast, uh, but for, for those in our audience um, who are interested for a little context here, uh, Tom, as you're using the word transparency and speaking to the urgency of it, uh, say a big smile on Mitch and a big thumbs up. <laughs> so that, I know that's one of your hotspots, Mitch. Um, this has been uh, um, a really informative interview and really thank you for sharing your insights and we've covered a lot of different ground um both tom and mitch uh, tom before we do let you go though any any other thoughts that we didn't manage to touch on that you really think would be important to share with our audience well look i i think a couple things and th and this is all about um i would say promotion right and so and what i mean by that is so i, I want to thank mitch who's been not only a a a, 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 an industry leader, but a, a peer and a friend. Um, and You're we here. talk about this business many times, um, you know, and we all have our quirkiness things about uh, how we do things and how we say them. And uh, the nice thing I like about Mitch is he's bluntly honest with everything because I am the same way too. Um, I, I want to thank, you know, you, Rick, you know, for doing this. But more importantly, what I really want to do is give a lot of props to, uh, you know, the, the, the company that I've been now for 14 months, and, and that's Crown Media. And, and, and the one thing that I will say is coming over to Crown, they have been extremely open and, and, and listening to um, the research team. Um, uh, we've done a lot of really good things as far as bringing in new research and vendors um, into um, our ad sales arsenal and our programming arsenal. 
and and again, the, the last thing I'm going to say is um, I, I've worked with really great um, ad sales teams um, in this business, uh, and, and and I would say uh, this is the best ad sales team I've ever worked with. So I'm going to give kudos to Ed Georger and team on this because it's it, it's great when you are a partner with your key stakeholders. That doesn't always happen with research, right? There could be a lot of I would say butting of heads or they think they know more than we do and vice versa. Uh, this has truly been a collaborative effort on all the things that we have been doing at Crown Media. And you know, I, I just wanna make sure that that's what allows me to do what I'm doing with you guys right now. That, that, that's what allows me to, you know, to kind of get into you know, the, the weeds as far as what's going on in this business. And so we can prepare for it and, 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 and not be left out. We want to be people who are you know, open, flexible, and transparent with all of our clients as to the things that we can do with them. So um, I just wanted to put all that out there. Uh, and and I, I want to say a big thank you to, you know, you, um, Mitch, and, and, and my company, uh, Crown Media. You know, um, that was beautiful, frankly. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's the makings of an industry statesperson. I mean, that's, that's uh, who you are. And, you know, who you are kind of attracts those kinds of qualities and other people and other companies. I mean, what a lovely, uh, generous and heartfelt uh, statement. So thank you very much for, for sharing that. Um, th those are the kind of things we love in, in, in life generally and certainly on a podcast where we get to share this with a broader audience um, in addition to just being personally meaningful. Well, well Tom, uh, thank you so much for all of your insight around the range of topics we covered, currency, attribution, ad engagement, attention metrics, uh, what's happening um, in the upfront business uh, this year and looking ahead into next year. We obviously appreciate your perspective and your guidance and insights as to what's happening and what's going to happen next. And Mitch, as always, um, I love I love tag teaming with you on these things, and um, you do so much for the industry and um, also in our partnership with BIA and, and and with you, listeners. Thank you so much for being with us. We do this for you. We hope you appreciate us. If you have other topics or other people you'd like for us to bring forward to you, just let us know. Send us an email at bia at podcast.com and we'll get right on it and try to produce another podcast that you find as interesting as I'm sure you'll find this one. See you next time at BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast. Thank you, everybody.